Hello, and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Voice Less Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. Follow the link in the description to pre-order a copy of the book so you'll be the first to receive it on the date of September 1st, 2022. The Outdoor Minimalist Podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of their process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. In episode 13 of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we're going to talk about how consumers can recognize truthful and transparent product marketing and how businesses can optimize their green story. If you haven't already, I recommend going back and listening to episode 11, Greenwashing in the Outdoor Industry. This episode gives a good big picture view on how green marketing can go bad and why it's important to understand how to identify when a company is telling the truth about their products or services. To help me break down and better understand the ins and outs of sustainable product marketing, I'd like to introduce Amanda Winther. Amanda Winther is a sustainability brand messaging strategist and copywriter. Her business, Amanda Winther Creative, helps eco-conscious brands tell their sustainability stories transparently and authentically across their digital presence. When she's not nerding out about sustainability, you'll probably find her outside seeking out the best paragliding, hiking, and skiing across the western U.S. She lives full-time in an Airstream trailer with her partner and her dog. Adventuring plans on your calendar? Remember to grab your Lava Linens travel towel on your way out the door. Founded by a mother-daughter team, Lava Linens crafts durable, luxurious travel towels as a more sustainable and better performing alternative to microfiber and cotton towels. Powered by flax and hemp, they're designed to be by your side for years to come. Use the code OUTDOORMINIMALIST for 15% off your next order. All right, so thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today to discuss the topic of sustainable product marketing. Before we jump right into the topic, though, could you please share a little bit more about you, the role outdoor recreation plays in your personal life, and your career as a copywriting professional? Absolutely. So I guess you could say outdoor recreation transformed my life. I wasn't I didn't really grow up with a lot of outdoor recreation, but I went to Dartmouth, so I was really, that was the first place that I started spending time outdoors. And I actually did a freshman trip where I went rock climbing. And it, I, I loved rock climbing for many years. I don't actually do it that much now, but it basically was the first time I ever experienced flow. So to say that the outdoors have completely transformed me and I've made my life built around being able to spend as much time outdoors as possible. That's awesome. I totally know what you're saying about getting into that flow state when you're climbing, Um, but that's true for a lot of other outdoor activities that I participate in. How did that, I guess, participation in outdoor activities kind of lead you to your copywriting career? That was a little bit of a winding journey, but I, like I said, I, I started spending time outdoors in college. And then afterwards, I ended up living in Washington, D.C. area. And so I was doing a lot of rock climbing there. But I <laughs> I guess I always liked, I always thought I liked writing. And it's one of those things that you'll hear a lot of writers say this and a lot of people who go into various different parts of writing, content writing, copywriting, journalism. They're all like, I liked writing. I just didn't know how to make a career out of it. And I was like that for a long time, too. I actually ended up doing product marketing in the tech world in San Francisco for a couple of years. But I always came back to just saying like, why I, I love writing. Like, I think I should 
lean into that. And I had basically a pretty rough go at the end of the, my tech journey. It just wasn't for me. And I felt very stifled and unhappy and left that. And that's when I started actually using my writing to make money and make a living. Yeah, that is kind of a winding journey, but that's really true. I think that's how a lot of people kind of find the niche within their writing. At least that's something that I have experienced. And right now, your primary focus when it comes to writing is helping companies achieve a truthful green story or to help them enhance their sustainable product marketing. So can you talk a little bit more about your specific niche? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess if you had to kind of put it into two words, I say I'm a sustainability copywriter, but a lot of brands are not really actually looking for that yet. It's not something that they even know exists, which is an interesting place to be in the marketing space. But basically I come in and have a deep knowledge both of marketing and copywriting best practices and then sustainability initiatives. So I can speak, I can kind of bridge the gap between like an impact or sustainability team and a marketing team and come in and help brands take all of their sustainability initiatives and communicate it across their website and emails. That seems like kind of an underserved market. So I think it's awesome that you're doing that work. But also my question with that realm of writing is how relevant do you think sustainable product marketing and messaging is right now? I think it's absolutely growing in relevance and that's a good sign it's for a couple reasons one it's partially because brands know that they need to be in the sustainability space and be talking about it and those motivations can come from different places some of them are great and some of them maybe are a little less (laughs) noble and also a lot of companies are basing their entire business model around trying to kind of uh, have a sustainable or planet friendly or other mission in this space And so there are a lot of companies that are doing things like this, but just not really communicating it well. Maybe they've been sourcing their materials in a certain way, but they just don't actually explain it very well to people who want to know about it. And those are the clients that I work with. That's who I like to help most. The people who are already, they're already, you know, very invested in sustainability. Their whole business model is more or less built around it, but they just want to or need help explaining that in a way that appeals to consumers instead of like a scientific sustainability kind of reporting messaging, if that makes sense. That makes sense. As a consumer, yeah, sometimes the the copy can get kind of heavy if they're really just saying all of these technical aspects of production and things like that. You're like, I don't know if I really care that much (laughs) to read through this. Exactly. And well, that's like kind of a best practice in the copywriting world is just knowing your audience and appealing to different awareness levels. So when someone's coming to a brand's page, there's going to be people who don't really care about sustainability. Out of the general consumer audience, it's I think about 30%. I saw a recent study that says about 30% of consumers care. So there's 70% that they just want to know that your product does a good job at whatever it's supposed to be doing. So you have to balance kind of that sustainability message with the other broader messages behind whatever product it is. Yeah, so with those statistics and things in mind, for a company then, how important do you think it is to kind of push that sustainability message versus their, like the performance of their product or whatever experience it is they're selling? This is going to really depend on each brand. And so I put together like what I do, I call it a sustainability story. It's like a brand's blueprint or footprint of what they're doing across sustainability. And every company has like a different mission and a different way that they're doing this. And I mean, at the at the root of it, the company needs to be making something that does a good job, is like a good product, is quality. So that's, if you had to choose, like that's the most important. But there are a lot of consumers and it's growing 
who want to know how that is being balanced with other the bits and pieces of what we call sustainability, which is a really broad space, but basically, you know, sourcing materials and fair labor and everything else that falls under that. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that you brought that up. So I guess uh, kind of for listeners, how do you as a marketing expert define sustainability or a sustainable practice in a business? So for myself, I, I have actually have a checklist I go through that's six different categories I look at. Um, I named it something, but it's basically uh, generally following a product lifecycle analysis of a product. And this is for product-based companies. So something that some company that's selling a thing, but it starts from like all the product sourcing all the way through what happens at the end of the product life. But if you had to go back to it at the very top level, sustainability is building a business or product that keeps people and planet and profit in balance. That's kind of a very common definition. So it's balancing all of those things because for a company to exist, it does have to have profit, but in order for the company to be sustainable, it has to kind of be focused on the future as well and making sure that there is a future for us and our children and future generations to have um, a planet to live on. Yeah, I like that definition. It's very concise. Do you have that checklist on your website at all? I do. Um, it is, there's like a download there um, and it can get a little bit deeper because like I said, I'm kind of trying to simplify product lifecycle analysis and, and materials management and sourcing and um, a bunch of concepts that maybe are kind of intense. It's the Rooted Sustainability Story Framework. You can download it there and every letter, Rooted, stand, each letter stands for something. I'll just make sure that I share that link in the episode notes. So for any of the listeners that want to use that as a reference, they can find that on Amanda's website. So a lot of times when, I don't know, I guess anyone talks about sustainable product marketing, we inevitably get to greenwashing. So I do have one episode on greenwashing, episode 11. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I recommend going back and listening to that. But for anyone that hasn't heard that episode or isn't sure what greenwashing actually is, could you kind of define that? Yeah, sure. So I define greenwashing as um, using green or sustainability tactics just as a way to market instead of as a as an authentic piece of a business model. Greenwashing means it's a company who's using sustainability language or or even some actions towards sustainability, sustainability initiatives, but the company isn't actually focused on that. So I guess one distinction that I would want to make with greenwashing versus product transparency, like is if a company is really blatant about something and really obvious saying like, we currently aren't uh, B Corp certified or, uh, but they're working towards it, that would not be an example of greenwashing. They're just being honest. <laughs> and I think that that is a really positive thing. But could you share, I guess, for people that wouldn't necessarily know what examples of greenwashing would be, could you kind of share what some obvious examples would be maybe, or terminology, terminology that's often associated with greenwashing. It can be kind of tricky. I mean, it's definitely not, even for someone who studies sustainability and is really passionate about it, it's not always easy to tell. Because like you said, some companies are in the beginning of their journey and they're trying to figure out how to value sustainability and balance making a business, building a business. So it can be really hard, but there are definitely some terms that have like a legal meaning or a defined meaning, whether that's through the government or third party certification. So that can be a good place to start. 
things like uh, you've talked, I think, about B Corp certification, um, 1% for the planet membership, things like this, where you're committing to a certain set of principles for your business. Also terms like organic are government essentially regulated. There are some other terms that are regulated by the uh, FTC as far as the marketing side of green marketing. They actually have uh, something called a green guide. It's a little bit heavy, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend you go out and read it unless you're really, really excited about it. But it regulates terms like compostable or biodegradable and things like that. So there are a list of terms that are regulated. But at the top of it, looking for certifications and reading the language to see how transparent it feels could be a good starting point. Part of my mission is to help make this easier because it's not easy right now, Meg. No, it's not. I get confused all the time. <laughs> yes. I'm glad that you brought up certifications and things to look for, especially like that things are third party certified and that there are regulations surrounding some of the terminology put on labels. But Another thing that I think is important for consumers to distinguish is that not all words that are put on labels are regulated. Knowing the terms that are, I guess, legitimate is really important. Yeah, there's a whole lot of terms that are not regulated. And so the green guide that I, I mentioned is was actually released in 2012. So it's pretty old. And the FTC is planning to update it in 2022. So I'm excited to see what they put out as far as the types of green marketing language that they will find misleading. Um, but there, I can kind of list out off a bunch of the terms that are not regulated. It does not, and here's the problem, it does not mean if a brand is using these terms that they are not doing things in the sustainability space. In fact, they probably are. It just means that anyone can use them. Things like planet-friendly or eco friendly or earth friendly or non-toxic even to a certain extent or natural. These words kind of have a ambiguous meaning and brands can use them may or may not mean that they're, you know, they may be, may be doing a lot of things in the sustainability space, but they might not be. Yeah. And then that's kind of a really big gray area for consumers because it is up to the company's marketing team to decide how truthful and transparent they are being in regards to that terminology. So when a company says something like, I don't know, one of the words you said, earth friendly or planet friendly or something, are they able to kind of define what that looks like in their company? Or is it something that they're just saying and slapping on their label? Exactly. And that's basically what the FTC, which is they regulate deceptive marketing and advertising practices that's what they would look at is like, can you substantiate this language you're using to talk about your product? I guess we're kind of talking a lot from a consumer perspective, but from the business perspective. So I know that some of the listeners are small business owners. So like, what would be some of the terminology that they should steer clear of if they're trying to be more transparent and tell an honest, sustainable story? I was actually reading a, a different marketing agency did a study recently around green language and one of the really interesting things they did was they even just looking at the term or the word sustainable or sustainability they found that they were looking at really big companies so this is take this with a you know with that in mind of the really big companies the brands that they knew were the actually the most sustainable used the word sustainable or sustainability basically once on their page whereas companies that maybe weren't known for sustainability, so might be more likely to be greenwashing, use the term sustainability like five to eight times often. So that's really interesting to me to learn about. And I think 
it goes back to the main point of what I was going to say, which is telling your story in a way or whatever, explaining the efforts that you are taking towards sustainability in an authentic way without, without using like cliches. So that usually means being more specific around what you're doing, using metrics or saying numbers to say like, here's how much water we've saved or whatever else you're working on. Yeah, I will say that when I'm shopping for things, that is kind of something that I would look for is how specific and transparent companies are being. And in that vein, how important do you think it is for companies to kind of share their, hmm, like things they're working towards or maybe some of their faults just to make sure that the consumers that are more concerned with sustainability know that the company is aware that they're not perfect? Yeah, that's as far as like working in the messaging space, that's something that is a hard sell for a lot of the brands I work with. And understandably so, they don't like to focus on negative things. But I do think that brands that are smaller can stand out by doing this and showing like here are things we're working on or kind of explaining their future looking plans. I do think some of the bigger brands have these plans and just aren't really ready to put it out there because maybe they don't have like, the exact date when they're be they'll be able to meet this this goal and so they're just concerned that they're promising something that maybe they can't deliver on so i think to stand out as a smaller brand sharing as much as you can around what you're doing will show your efforts and help explain this transparent specific message that we were talking about earlier i also think it's kind of risky in some ways for businesses and i and i understand that but the more you can explain towards what you're doing and kind of what your vision for your company is and how that fits in in um, how you're defining sustainability, that will help reach consumers who care about sustainability. What would be a few suggestions that you would have for businesses, especially small businesses that have a limited marketing budget to make sure that they're telling a really truthful and honest, sustainable story? Sure. Well, first off, I do explain that rooted all of the different steps of that framework. It's a free download on my website. So definitely feel free to grab that if you feel like that might help you. Um, it would walk you through what steps your company is taking and goes from raw materials to kind of your operations and etc. But as consumers, we know that not every company is able to do something in all six of these areas. The top companies that are doing this are, but we understand that they're, you know, that's a process and you're at the beginning of your your journey in sustainability or your company. So I think just being very clear about the things you are doing and I'll give very specific three places that I think it would be easy to include this on your website. So having from your navigation bar, basically whenever someone goes, have a section or a page on sustainability. A lot of brands have like three to five pages across their sustainability efforts. So one might explain their carbon neutral shipping and one might explain many different types of materials that they're using, or they might have multiple pages. Basically, one have one page that explains your sustainability initiatives, include it somewhere in a short section of your homepage, and then also include information about it on your product page. I think those are three places that your sustainability story and messaging should show up. Do you think that the website is the most important thing for brands to highlight that story or are there other areas of marketing like in the newsletter or social media or I guess what other types of marketing do people use these days radio podcast advertisements I guess like of all of those options what would be your suggested focus area 
I'm a little biased because I focus on websites, <laughs> but I think another place that's really important to show up with some of this information is a label. So whatever packaging you're using, I think explaining that to someone who's picking up your product and touching it for the first time, obviously there's less space on a, on a product package, but that's where the third party certifications and sort of like labels like that and eco labels can really come into play. I think explaining it there could be really valuable. And then for people who are more, I guess, already on board a little bit with your brand, of course, things like social media and email make a lot of sense as well. I focus on websites because that's a place where people who don't know your brand are coming in and if they are someone who cares a lot about sustainability and you don't address it in those three places I mentioned, they might not know that you're doing something. Like they might not know that you're actually sourcing these incredible materials or spending all this time and money to prioritize that part of your business. You might lose them before you even had a chance to like make them in your fan club. Yeah, I guess, is there such a thing as oversharing when it comes to sustainability practices in marketing? I think yes and no. I think you can definitely overshare. So if you were to put everything you're doing on your homepage, it might be too much. But I think there are ways to allow the people who want to access that information, allow them to do that by digging deeper. So maybe that's an additional clickable link on your product page or creating multiple pages talking about your sustainability initiatives, like one that talks about your shipping practices or your operations and fair labor and manufacturing practices. So I think, yes, in certain areas, you can definitely do too much. But I think the way that websites and the digital space works, there's definitely room that you can do it in a way that appeals to people at all different levels of their sustainability journey as well. So people who want to know all of the details and people who are just starting to learn about what this space is. There it has to be a really intentional balance to make sure you're getting your message across, but it is not it's not overwhelming the consumer either. So what would be maybe some other resources that you're aware of? I think you mentioned like uh, like the green guide and then also your rooted framework, but do you have other resources for business owners or even for consumers to have a better understanding of reliable, sustainable marketing? Honestly, I wish it was, I wish there were more out there and that's part of why I'm creating what I am. I started a series on Instagram that's maybe a little more easily snackable than my rooted framework, which goes kind of deep right away. It's called SUS or sustainable. And I'm breaking down things like what does compostable mean versus what does biodegradable mean? I'm going to be talking about carbon neutral uh, versus climate positive in a future one, for example. And so if, if people want to follow me, I'm happy to always talk about this. My Instagram is amanda.winther. And I'll link that in the show notes as well. I have seen this. <laughs> I saw the little, like the series that you started, and I think it is really valuable. It shares a lot of things that are often overlooked, I think, or kind of taken for granted as far as terminology goes in the sustainability space. Yes, there's and there's so much. And even for someone who actively seeks out this information, it's not easy. I wish I could say, go dive into the green guides and read it, but it's really heavy. It's very like legalese. So I don't think it's a very consumer friendly option, but I will say I took a course, an online course, um, and have since heard some of the clients I work with are taking similar courses around a circular business model. There are free, free versions of that online that you can take. And that could be a great option for someone who wants to dig a little deeper and learn more about kind of how this, how companies and brands think about this space. Mm -hmm. I've talked about different types of business models and economies, I think, in past episodes with the linear reuse and circular systems. Um, but for people that don't know what it is, could you define what a circular business is? Sure. So it, it goes back to what I talked about before, which I was calling product 
life cycle analysis. Basically, it looks at it as from the business perspective as a whole, how much your business is able to kind of be reused or regenerated. And that might not be 100% what my <laughs> instructor would have said, but that's how I that's what I took away from the course is basically how how many inputs can you take and put back into your product and continue to keep the product in business. But it's the same thing at a business perspective. Yeah, and I think understanding that even from a consumer side, I think it's really, really valuable for business owners to understand that and learn more about it. But I think it's also valuable as a consumer because it helps me identify and understand more about the products that I'm consuming, I guess. Yes, there was a, a Kickstarter coming up for a company that's making headphones and they're going to be modular. So one of the issues is like if your tech product breaks, a lot of times it's it, you have to buy a new one, buy a new headset, buy a new microphone. But companies that make it easy to repair something, that might be part of a circular business model. And it actually, this course goes into, or the course I took, can go into how that can save businesses money, which doesn't at the first like make sense, but including these practices into their business model can help them save money. And it goes all the way to the end of the product life cycle where maybe they encourage people to return their products and they can reuse the product into a future version of it. Yeah, all of that is really valuable information. Um, and I might be a little bit biased with the next thing that I'm going to say because I am also a writer. But <laughs> as far as investments go in marketing, I think one of the most valuable investments you can make is the copy on your website and copywriting in general, just to make sure that everything is understandable from the consumer perspective, but also that Google can read through it. You're maybe going to become more visible and just transparent in general. And so how can people find your services? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with you, but again, I'm biased. <laughs> I, I, you can find what more about what I do at amandawinther.com. That's my website. And then another great place is my Instagram. And I'm also starting to show up a little more on LinkedIn. So if that's your space, I'd love to see you there as well. Is the website the easiest way to contact you then? Or do you prefer private messages on LinkedIn, I guess? If it's for a project, I have like an onboarding page on there where we can I can learn more about what your company is doing and what your brand's doing. And so that's a great place if it's to work with me. If you just want to say hi, you can definitely find me on Instagram for that. Awesome. Well, I think that you shared a lot of valuable insights in the episode, and I'm just really happy that you had time to come and chat today. Thank you, Meg. It was great to chat with you. I really like what you're doing. Um, I can't wait for your book. So, oh, Thanks so much. <laughs> As many brands and companies in and outside of the outdoor industry can probably agree, writing convincing copy that will convert to customers is a tall order to begin with. So add in telling an effective, truthful, and transparent sustainability story, and things can get even more confusing. And that's why I was so excited to have Amanda Winther on the podcast. I hope that you gained some new insights and knowledge from the things that she had to say. And if you feel that her copywriting services or any of the resources she has could be helpful to you, I highly recommend checking out her website. It's laid out beautifully so you can see, obviously she's a copywriter for web copy. You can see her work in action on her own website. And she has a bunch of different packages from a sustainability story audit, 
full research into your brand copy and even like a full done for you website copy. If you aren't necessarily looking for particular services, but just want to learn more about how to hone in your sustainability messaging so you can stand out and avoid greenwashing on December 9th, her Rooted Sustainability Story workshop is launching. And basically that workshop is for entrepreneurs, or like she likes to say, ecopreneurs, <laughs> who want to set your brand apart with a compelling sustainability or green story and will help you position products in a way that helps you deeply connect with a conscious consumer. This course is also geared towards companies that are B Corp, so it will help the B Corp marketer get a quick intro into the sustainability landscape and also get summaries of things like circular business models, life cycle assessments, and sustainable materials management. The course, from my understanding, is also really great for copywriters that want to become an expert level sustainability consultant, similar to what Amanda is doing in her work. And it can help you navigate this changing landscape within sustainability, especially if your focus is in the outdoor industry. So all that to say is I'm super stoked on what Amanda is doing. I think she offers a lot of value and I'm really excited to kind of see how her work helps brands change and develop their marketing to focus more on sustainability in a bite-sized way that helps consumers understand how important it truly is. So like I said, if you're interested in the, her upcoming Rooted Sustainability Story workshop, it launches on December 9th and I will put a link to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can still find me on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book. Follow there for daily updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with a shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.